I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we're back with more Reset. Now, it's been a long road for parents of little ones. That's because the under five crowd hasn't been able to get vaccinated against COVID for more than two years into the pandemic. But we've gotten some good news in recent days. The FDA said the Pfizer vaccines appear to be safe and effective for kids under five. And kids 6 to 17 might get another vaccine option, too. The FDA said Friday that Moderna vaccines work for children and teens. But an FDA committee is meeting today to further debate its merits. So joining us to discuss how soon parents can get little ones vaccinated is Dr. Mia Teramina, infectious disease specialist at Dooley Health and Care. Hey, Dr. Teramina, welcome back. Hey, Sasha. Let's start with the big question. What does the new timeline look like for getting those under five kids vaccinated? Well, they're coming soon. Um, the FDA is going to meet and discuss both uh, Pfizer and Moderna's products, um, Pfizer and Moderna in those under fives, and then Moderna as well uh, in our uh, early teens and preteens. And it's widely anticipated that this vote will be favorable. Then the CDC will have to sign off. And we are looking at the very soonest uh, for shots in arms around the 19th or 20th. So just a, a few more days, we're in the home stretch here. Um, most facilities like uh, Dooley have already placed their orders and we're just awaiting supplies once oh, wow. we get the green light. That's yep. great. So if the FDA gives that seal of approval... The CDC will do an evaluation of them as well, the vaccines? They do. And typically the CDC does agree with the FDA. And then after the, uh, after the CDC votes, uh, Rachel Walensky will have to sign off. And that's usually done fairly expeditiously. So I'm optimistic that next week we'll be able to start vaccinating these kids. Oh, boy. So let's dig further into what the FDA found about the Pfizer vaccines. Uh, how effective are they for little ones? So thousands of kids were enrolled in these vaccine trials. And if you remember, after two doses, they had to go back and give a third dose. So the Pfizer vaccine data being presented uh, is showing that we would give three doses of the Pfizer vaccine at uh, around a three microgram dose, which is about a little more than a tenth of what the adult doses are. And then that would go ahead and be given on day one three weeks later, and then that third dose booster will be two months after that. Once these doses are in, we're looking at really favorable efficacy rates, around 70 to 85 percent effective, depending on age group, with the uh, two to five-year-olds or two to four-year-olds, I should say, uh, showing about 85 percent efficacy. Mm -hmm. And then in the littlest ones, we're looking at better than 70 percent efficacy in that age group. Will we ever see babies getting COVID vaccines? I'm, t I'm talking infants under six months. Yeah, I don't see anything right now in the pipelines for littles that young. Uh, for mothers who are fully vaccinated and or COVID recovered who are nursing, uh, certainly there is the potential for some antibodies to be passed down to baby. Um, but at this point, I don't see any uh, plans for vaccinating the littlest, littlest ones. So we got an email this morning, doctor, from Reset listener Dan. Uh, he says, my son will turn five in early August. My inclination is to wait until after his birthday to start getting him vaccinated so that he gets appropriately larger doses. Is that a good idea? Bad idea? Are you indifferent? What do you say? You know, August is coming right up the pipelines here, and some of these vaccine formulations, uh, especially Moderna, may change a bit to add some additional code to cover the Omicron strain more directly. Uh, it is notable that 
both Pfizer and Moderna's pediatric trials, a huge portion of them were done during the Omicron surge. So these efficacy numbers are showing up uh, against Omicron, which is great. Um, the general message is going to be don't wait. Um, in general, let's get some antibodies into these kids as soon as possible. And if a child is to turn five between doses of vaccine, they may get the smaller dose for their first dose and the appropriate larger dose after turning age five. But the messaging should be that when these vaccines are available, there's no need to really wait to get them. And these vaccines are going to be safe and effective, uh, regardless of, of what age they are when we give those doses. Well, let's be honest, doctor, there are still some folks listening to us right now who are hesitant about getting their kid vaccinated. So what do you say to them? Understood. I mean, these Pfizer and Moderna trials, we're talking about hundreds of pages of data, and I certainly haven't been able to read every single word, but I was very much focused on the safety of these vaccines. And I think that's been called into question by parents that are a little bit nervous. Um, in both Pfizer and Moderna's trials, there were no severe allergic reactions, and there were no deaths, and there were no cases of myocarditis or pericarditis. So those are kind of the hot button uh, concerns that we were looking at. There are a handful of adverse events. Um, there was a one child that experienced a febrile seizure, another child that had some myositis or muscle inflammation afterwards, but all of these were self-limited and resolved. Um, these vaccines, uh, again, are, are less likely to cause any significant concerns for our babies. And the virus itself does potentially have some worser impact, even in these littlest kids with, you know, multi-system inflammatory syndrome mm -hmm. that can happen, although rarely. Um, that's not something that's seen with vaccine. And to prevent MISC, we want to prevent getting COVID in the first place. And even some protection is going to be of benefit. Are you surprised at all about how long it's taken for, for kids to get access to vaccines? I am a bit. You know, in general, we, we did move very quickly in rolling out vaccines in general in this pandemic. And I think part of the lag is certainly that we are talking about a, a, a pediatric population that we want to be absolutely certain that, that we are looking at safety and efficacy. But also, it, traditionally, these kids have had less severe illness in general. In the very beginning of the pandemic, uh, very, very beginning, it was almost unheard of to even hear about pediatric cases. And then certainly now, we have uh, a number of pediatric cases, especially in kids that are gathering. But we also have evidence that, you know, about 75% of children in the U.S. carry some antibodies, likely having been exposed to this virus. So, you know, we know that the virus is, is certainly moving through uh, our peds populations. And to the extent that kids can get reinfected, just like adults can get reinfected, we want to protect as best we can. Shifting gears, I do want to talk about where Illinois is as of today with COVID infections. Uh, many counties are still high risk for COVID. So what do we need to bring that down? You know, it's it's not easy. Um, we need a combination of things to bring down that, that high risk number. Um, you know, we have a situation right now where we have a lot of people that are fully vaccinated for uh, COVID to their 
traditional definitions. Um, but I'm seeing more and more patients, even in the hospital, that never went and got that booster shot. So as a reminder, being up to date on vaccines is to have three doses of vaccine in your system in most cases. And for immunosuppressed, we're looking at four or five doses with booster doses as appropriate. So getting that extra dose, even if you got your first two. Mm -hmm. And same answer to folks, no need to wait until August. If you haven't had a third dose, get that third dose now and we'll worry about fall boosters when we get a little more data about the fall. In addition to being mindful about gathering and wearing masks still when you are indoors, social distancing cannot be maintained and you are in one of those high risk transmission areas. I know a lot of people right now with pretty bad summer colds uh, that aren't COVID. I had one probably about three weeks ago myself. Doctor, can you tell us how COVID's making the common cold act differently right now? There's a lot of overlap. So we certainly are in the mode of it's COVID until proven otherwise. Yeah, I mean, and I tested point, four times because <laughs> 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 I was and, just like determined to make sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, if you're having COVID-like symptoms and your home tests continue to um, return negative, you may want to reach out to your provider about getting a PCR test just to verify a little stronger sensitivity there. Um, and we are now, especially with this heat, beyond flu season. There were a couple of other flu cases that trickled through. But by all means, we are seeing non uh, pandemic uh, coronavirus infections. We are seeing metanumovirus, respiratory syncytial virus, and other things. So we do have tests that are available to look for those as well. Um, but definitely using those same guidelines of if you're not feeling well, if you're feverish, if you're having symptoms, you need to stay home and you need to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. And we know that masks work. So even if you don't have COVID, as you're recovering from any viral upper respiratory infection, masking well indoors and in close contact with others is going to be reasonable. I'm out of time, doctor, but I'm curious. The CDC said that people traveling to the U.S. no longer have to test for COVID. Does that move make sense to you? It does. We're, we're at a point where we have vaccines, we have treatments, and we have natural immunity at numbers that should be significant enough to make airline travel reasonable without this testing requirement. I still would encourage those uh, to wear masks on, on airline travel at this time. I mm -hmm. can't imagine traveling without one. Me neither. Infectious disease specialist Dr. Mia Teramina with Dooley Health and Care. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.